0: God has given us all things that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Therefore we must add to our faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. And if faith comes by hearing the word of God, then knowledge comes by being educated by way of the word of God. Who else is better to instruct you than a teacher? A teacher anointed by God is to dispense information for edification, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that you may be partakers of the divine nature of God's glory. We invite you to come learn with us as we journey through scripture so that he who has an ear can hear what the spirit through a teacher has to say. Welcome beautiful people to another episode of The Teaching Prophet. I am she, she is me. Tangela L. Clayton, the master teacher delivering lessons for the Lord. This podcast is one that takes you on a journey of learning through the scriptures, so that we can add to our faith knowledge. Please feel free to subscribe, like, share, and or comment on today's episode. Also, if you would like to tip the teacher, visit our website at www.tangelallc.com. That is T-A-N-G-E-L-A-L-L-C dot C-O-M. Scroll down to the teacher section and click tip the teacher. Or you can click the support link from whichever platform you are listening from. Whew! Yeah, that last episode, I was, I'm still feeling, you know, I'm still, I'm still giddy from that one. Um, Pimp moves, church objective, pimp moves. (sighs) Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me get it together. Let me get it together. So we are continuing our learning journey through a series, which we're calling Give Us a King, the Consequences of a Spiritual Canon. This is lesson number eight. The last one was church objectives. Pimp moves. This one is church objectives, profiteers. P r o f i t e e r s, profiteers. Still in line with pimp moves, but we now we talking about profiteers. <sighs> Just a reminder, we're our subscripture, a secondary scripture is First John two and sixteen. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And anything that, you know, we go over and then you start taking a reflective analyzation of the things around you and start start taking stock and listing the inventory. And if you can put anything under these three categories, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life... You know that it is not of God, it is of the world, and we need to do something, pray. You know, um, I had said a while ago to some some members in the body of Christ, I said, you know, we quick to say, let's go pray about it. How long have you been on your knees? Sometimes you need to get up and do something about it, bust a move, make a move. Because it's only in repentance, it's only in doing something, it's only in confronting a thing do we get some action and some tractions behind that thing. We, we get some traction, which means movement. And some things comes out by fasting and praying, um, especially spiritual things. But other things requires us to actually put movement. Faith without works is dead. And some of these things that we're seeing in the church today, in the church body, we need to just stop doing some stuff or move, move. So today I'm about to hit on something and educate you in in an area that you should know. Because again, these are the places in which you've chosen to place yourself in and under places and people we've chosen to put ourselves in and under and as our base scripture, 1 Samuel 8, describes, this is your king. These are your kings that you erected in your life and that you've placed in your life. So let's just go back and go over our what the definition of a spiritual canon is. is a set of principles by which Christians are judged because they have been established by the kings, the spiritual elites, as being of the gold standard of the highest quality. Of what a spiritual person, how you're supposed to live your spiritual life. The church is a building. When We're talking about the church building. It's a building for public Christian worship. But also the church is the people that have a spiritual walk in relationship with God, Jesus the Christ. An objective is a goal or sought after aim. Like, what is it we supposed to be doing? Like, what are we reaching for? What are we attaining to be and attaining to do? A pimp. (laughs) I'm still in awe of how God gave me that and how he connected that. It's a person who controls and manipulates others in order to take part of their earnings. We about to talk about the earnings. I know we talked about other things they take from you um well one other thing couple man we about to really dig into the money aspect of it profiteer p-r-o-f-i-t-e-e-r i'm not talking about profit as in p-r-o-p-h-e-t talking about a profiteer is a person who make or seek to make an excessive or unfair profit profiteer a person who make or seek to make an excess or unfair profit disadvantaged an unfavorable circumstance that reduces the chances of success or effectiveness disadvantage an unfavorable circumstance that reduces the chances of success or effectiveness. (sighs) All right, let's go into our base scripture, 1 Samuel 8. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel. The name of his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, And perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And said to him, look, you are old. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But this thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel. Heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. However, to all the works which they have done, I mean, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. And so they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties, will set some to plough his ground and reap his harvests, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks and bakers, he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves, and he give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give them to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants and your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. They said, "No." but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, "Heed their voice, make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to his city. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Ah, so let's recap a little bit <laughs> from pimp moves. Cause we're going to be talking about some more pimp moves here. And Jesus said unto them, and he, he said, which is Jesus said unto them, it is written. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Matthew 21, Matthew 21 and 13. A thief is a person who steals another's property especially through secrecy sneakiness or just flat out being slick so we were talking about the psychological emotional theft we're still talking about psychological emotional theft because once they get you emotionally involved and they steal your confidence in god and in peace of mind in god and they place they have it placed in themselves the kings have them the leaders have you place it into them now they can dig into your pockets. We can we can get to the emotion, the fi- the financial theft. And I know I've been hinting at this, and this is gonna probably be a couple of episodes in, in and of itself, but we're gonna break this down, right? We're gonna break it down. So let's talk about taxation. Cause over here, Samuel telling you, he's gonna take a tenth of your donkeys, he's gonna take a tenth of your sheep. He said, they're going to take a tenth of your grain, your vintage. He's going to take it, right? How do you take it? Taxation. Taxation. High taxation shifts the economic power from the people who are the ones producing the wealth to the king. I'm, am yeah, I'm, a, I'm gonna reverse that for you. High taxation shifts the economic power from the people who are the ones producing the wealth to the king. Plainly put, you are the ones producing the wealth. You are the servants. You are the workers. You are producing the wealth. But because of high taxation, you're shifting it to the king. Well, the church doesn't tax. S- sister teacher, what are you talking about? Mm, okay. Let's, let's see what's going on here. Again, Samuel told y'all he's going to take a tenth of your grain, your vintage, and your sheep, and that you will be his servants. And how do I get? All of that from my servants. How do I get that from my congregation? How do I do that? So the church is being rent like a business people, but it don't want to be taxed like a business. It wants a non-business taxation. It don't want to be taxed, but it's being rent like a business. And you who are not business minded and you who don't understand because you are a worker, you are servant, you are a slave. You don't understand this stuff. And, and as I told you in the previous lessons, there are different learners. There are different students. Some students have an IEP, an individual educational plan, because they don't know and it's hard for them to grasp certain concepts. For whatever dis- learning disability they have, Either they was born that way, or they just was made that way based on their their environment. Come on now, parents tell you I'm not smart, so you're not gonna be smart. So kids ingest that, and that they grow with that. And that seed grow in them, and so now they have a learning disability. And we teachers have to overcome that or scaffold our lessons to make sure that those ki- those kids get that learning they they on an equal playing field as ones that are produced in an environment that know and that can go and they seek knowledge and they these you know kids like me who are just highly gifted in and want to learn and, and have a knowledge and a thirst to learn and grow well you know put 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 these type of people the, the first type the ones with the IEPs the ones with the 504s the ones with the learning disability put them people in church Put them people in church and watch and see how the kings can manipulate and emotionally and psychologically get you to think that you need to depend on them and that in order for the church to survive financially, you need to do this, this, and that. Yes, tithing is what you're supposed to do because the Bible says tithe, right? Offering that they might be meat. In the storehouse, oh, I'm about to ruffle some feathers, and I don't care. But we need to understand these are the kings. These are these are kings that you put yourself under and put yourself submitted yourself to. So the church is being ran like a business, but it doesn't want to be taxed like a business. First Timothy one and eight says, "But we know the law is good if one uses uses it lawfully." Right, your church either applied for or has been placed on an exemption status list by the IRS under a 501c3. And under that non tax status of a 501c3, there are certain things that churches must do. Here's a few because I I have it right here. I have the whole, I downloaded it as a copy of the whole thing right here. And I know you don't have time to go through it all. So let me give you the short and what you really need to know from it, right? Churches are to provide relief for the poor, the distress, and or the underprivileged, as well as lessen the burden for the government under the IRS exemption status of a 501 C three relief for the poor relief for the distress relief for the underprivileged that's what the church is supposed to do under this status churches are not required to file um, they don't have to they they don't have to file taxes Because why? They are not subject to the failure to file taxes, audit, or sanction. They're not subject to it. However, last episode I told you something about um, they use stuff to personally gain or profit. That's why we're calling it profiteers. They they use that that psychological and emotional theft and they get you all twisted up to get something out of you. Well, the church inside this thick, thick IRS exemption status for the 501c3. The church must not be organized or operated for the benefit of the private interests such as the creator or the creator's family shareholders of the organization, other designated individuals, or persons controlled directly or indirectly by such private interests. No part of the earnings of the section of a 501c3 organization may be used for the benefit of any private shareholder or individual. A private shareholder or individual is a person who has a personal and private interest in the activities of the organization. Again, I'm not in a rush, let that settle. So all that wording from the, that's from the IRS, you know, handbook or, or whatever it's called, The SOP, we call it standard uh, the standard of operating procedures. Basically, no one's supposed to personally gain who has an interest in the organization. You're not supposed to have a personal gain in that. You're not supposed to. So the pastor started the church. And again, this is where your bylaws, your ordinances, this is where you need to be in the loop on to know. Right how do they get around this clause easy it's easy to get around this clause, right so if they run the church like a business then let's look how business people operate let's look at it Pip move number one i don't know what number i'm on because i was gonna post i supposed to number all these from the previous episode i i'm off so we are just gonna start with number one on this one expenses for business trips and meals So, when the person who represents an organization in business and they go on trips for the business, they get to recoup business trips and meals, right? They recoup the cost of their hotels. You know, they get to recoup that business expense. Come on, people that are in business. I know y'all don't want to admit it. You can take somebody out. And as long as for at least 15, somewhere in the conversation, you mention your business, you mention what your business does, you can recoup that as a business expense. Everybody do it. Knowing full well that meeting probably didn't even have nothing to do with business. Now, there are some legitimate business meetings, but. Mm, how many meetings that has been reported to the irs on taxes that are really legitimate business meetings remember that episode thank you holy spirit because <laughs> i'm telling you god be giving me these examples remember the episode of um if you watched it uh what's the what's the thing living single living single Kyle barker y'all remember Kyle barker right he came in and he, um, his, he had got a promotion. He gave him an expense account. So he came in Khadijah's name apartment and he was like, do you have a 401k? And none of the, everybody answered yes, no. He was like, check business meeting done. Now let's eat lunch. And they went on, they started talking about something else. He didn't use all that. <laughs> he, he needed to write off the meal that he had purchased for them. And all he did was ask them about 401k. Did they have one? Are they good with it? Boom. And then he said, check business meal let's eat and so then he proceeded to tell them how he had gotten a you know a promotion and gotten expense accounts and all he had to do was write off the meal as a business trip well let's say your pastor with this pimp move go on the business trip and everybody know it's a party somebody's birthday party it's 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 whatever it's whatever they want to do And all they have to do is write it off and say that they spoke about Jesus or that it was a business trip that made sure the church was, you know, they talked about whatever. And they wrote it off as an expense and charged the church for it. Your tithes and your offering just got expensed. Rant like a business, but not a business. That's a pimp move. Pimp move. That's a pimp move. That's a pimp move. Wherever they go, whatever they did, all they have to say is they did it in the name and under the auspice of that organization of the church. And they get to write that off as an expense, even though they don't even have to file taxes. But just in case they get audited, and we'll talk about that in a minute, they have that as, oh, yeah, this was a business trip. But then on social media, you see them relaxing by the pool, Taking pictures with certain people, chilling. But that got wrote off as a business trip because we spoke about Jesus, maybe. You know Jesus? Yeah, I know Jesus. All right, good. Let's go party. <laughs> pimp move. The next pimp move I want to talk about is clothing allowance. Oh, Yeah i buy certain clothes because this is what the organization requires for me to wear this is what the organization requires me to wear so now i write off my suits whatever considered to be the uniform of the church or uniform of the business i'm sorry we're gonna, we gonna translate it to the church well it's all intertwined whatever is the uniform of the church whatever is the uniform of the business I need to go ahead and write that off. I need y'all to pay for my clothes. Pimp move. Pimp move. Because who who said you needed a thousand dollar suit? Five thousand dollar cufflinks. Who said you needed that to actually be effective in what you're doing? That's a personal interest. Because a men's warehouse little suit could do the same thing. But even then, you could just not build the church for what you personally like and personally want to wear. And say that it's the church's job to, you know, this is the attire of the church and this is what I wear. And this is what I'm supposed to be wearing as a leader, as a king. This This is my kingly attire. That's a pimp move. Because he's using your money he she is using your money because you don't understand that pimp move because you don't understand that the church is being ran like a business even though the church don't want to be taxed like a business pimp another pimp move housing allowance because i'm your i'm your pastor You, you gotta pay my bills you gotta pay my bills because i'm your pastor even though i started this church but I started this church because I wanted to make sure that I can live handsomely, live real comfortably. And for me to be, for me to get the word of God and be, you know, to be effective as your as your leader, I, I need a I need a nice place to stay. Not just any place to stay. I need I need to be behind lock and key and gated community because I don't need y'all to bother me on my day off. I don't need y'all knocking on my doors. So I need y'all to pay for this. And how you pay for this is, oh, I'm not going to ask for a salary, which is another pimp move, because that's my next point. I'm not going to ask for a salary from the church. I just ask the church to cover my living expenses. I just need the church to cover my living expenses. And my living expenses is I need this 10-bedroom mansion. And it's just me, my wife, a couple of kids and a couple of dogs i don't need all these rooms but i but i need all these rooms i need all these rooms and i need you to cover that so i'll take a housing allowance you ain't got to pay my salary i'll take a housing allowance or a housing package don't write that off because if a business sends you overseas most of them will give you a housing package and they'll say um because i do watch living i want to live overseas i've have i have for a long time um so you know i do my research so i have watched these documentaries i watch these little shows that tell me you know what the business like they send you overseas with a housing package And they'll, or they, they front, they said, you know, you might need so much to put down, but we're going to reimburse you on the back end once you find your place. And as long as you get a housing within these, you know, these rams or specifications, um, we'll pay for it. We'll pay your housing costs because we're asking you to go do something for the, it's for the business. You wouldn't have gone overseas without the business city overseas. Well, I can't be your preacher if I don't have nowhere to live. I can't be your king if I don't have nowhere to live. So a king needs a kingdom. I told you in the very first episode, king needs a kingdom. So therefore I gotta have, you know, a place, my kingdom need to be the place of the housing allowance. So I I won't take a salary, but pay my housing expenses. Yeah, pimp move. But then some people take a salary. Some people take a salary from the church because they feel like, okay, I'm doing the bulk of the work and I need to be able to have, you know, time with God. I need to have time with God. So therefore I need a salary because I can't live. I can't pay my bills off the a hook and a Messiah. <laughs> One of my pastors in previous time, they said, you can't hook in a Messiah, your bills away. You can't hook in a Messiah at the light bill company. And they'd be like, "Oh, sure, we'll cover that for this month." No, I need finances, so I'll take a salary. But uh, how big of a salary are you taking? What 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 is your salary take? What is your take home pay from my tithes and offering? Like, I have I have a right to know that because it's my, it's I'm I'm putting in my money, but you don't know that because they don't tell you. And again, Jesus said, you are slaves when you don't know what your masters are doing. Like, what is the going rate for a pastor these days? Full-time pastor. What is the going rate? What is the going salary rate for a full-time pastor? Well, many don't know because they don't have to file taxes. They don't have to. They don't. They are tax exempt. So with being tax exempt, you don't have to report. Now, you have to keep documents of everything. Oh, sure. But you ain't got a report. Pimp move. Now, some of the smaller churches, <clears throat> this doesn't apply. But then again, it does. Some of your medium-sized churches that want to be mega churches, they don't want to be considered media. Everybody's going to this, this format because, you know, the Bible says reach everybody. But is it for you to reach everybody? Or do everybody play a part in their part of the world to reach those people? And then there's other people on the other side of the world to reach those people. Because we're supposed to go out. We're supposed to go out and reach the people. And so everybody is turning to this format of trying to reach everybody from their particular location. There are, you know world evangelists and people who's supposed to reach like you your audience who is your audience that you're supposed to reach because some of us will reach everybody because that's what god has placed us some of us are supposed to only work for the local body and be there for the local body and we're not doing it so then let's talk about these mega churches right so we get into these side hustles and deals, but they all stem from the church. So another pimp move is endorsement deals. You see these people doing a lot of endorsements of products and different things because they, oh, I don't take a salary from my church, but you don't know that church is paying their housing allowance. And then they have these endorsement deals to bring in all these other money because they've reached celebrity status. So now they've been able to psychologically and emotionally get people all riled up and invested into them that whatever they say, whatever these people or I use, I'm just say head and shoulders, head and shoulders stock just went up exponentially because you believe and you trust them so much that these people are now they whatever they say And trust me, they don't do this, Austin. They don't do this just by happenstance. Oh, there's an endorsement deal behind that. Really is. Because if they didn't mention the product and you didn't trust them so much, that product stock would not go up. It won't go up. Another pimp move, book deals. These people get paid so much money to write books on topics and things and half the time it really don't push the agenda of God. It pushes their agenda. Oh, it got Jesus in it. Don't get me wrong. All up and through it. But as I said before, people are doing things for God, not doing things with God. Cuz it's different. There's a difference. I probably said on the podcast, uh, a time before, but a lady said she had a dream and I can't remember the young lady name, forgive me, young lady. Um, it's out there on YouTube somewhere. You can pull it up. She had a dream that she was in jail and praying and asking God to, um, this, this lady dream again, it's out there. You can, you can go look at it. I told you, don't, don't trust me. Go find it. Well, she was in jail and she was praying, asking God to get her out. Like she's not supposed to be there. She went to her room and she's just praying. And all of a sudden appeared this particular Bishop, well-known Bishop. And she was like, what you doing here? And was, you know, asking him like, help me, help me, get me out of here. And he was like, handed her a book. And she said, he handed her one of his books. And he's like, why are you handing me a book? Like you're supposed to be praying me, give me the Bible, whatever. But he handed her one of the books. And so she said, I know what you're probably thinking, that, you know, you could help. your—is a self-help book. She named the book, whatever. You can, um, you should help yourself out of the situation. She said, no, that's not what God told me the dream meant. So God say, he's he self-serving. He's not helping my people. He helping himself. Book deals. The other pimp move is so many that I could sit here and name. But anything that comes with being a noted figurehead in the world, as well as deals with money, being next to celebrities, getting invited to these different parties, being all just everywhere, everywhere. These are pimp moves. And one of the things, and I have it written down right here, because when God when I was asking God and and I was at my at, at the table and i was like god what what do you you know why is this what is this i had a situation where i was having a conversation and, and someone was defending a pastor a, a bishop or whatever you know they were defending this this leader it was defending this leader for something that clearly clear sin in front of them it's clear sin but because of the psychological and emotional theft, like like you put your confidence in this man and not in God, and you don't even really know this man. You you know, you, you you see him on TV, you see him everywhere, but you you know, you justify you justify his sins that is clear and in front of you. But then we were talking about another celebrity who's not saved and who's out there and you call them all kind of names and say that this person is this this that and third you don't know him either you don't know this person you don't you wasn't there you wasn't there with the particular pastor but yet you defended him to the hilt and degraded this other guy and I said why do people do that why do Christians why do church people do that and God say, People will allow their biblical leaders to continue to sin in plain sight. They justify. They make excuses for the leader. And, in the, and the leader not even making excuses for himself. Why? Because he got fools to do it for him. Pimp move. It's a pimp move when I can commit sin in your face. But get you to justify my sin. I don't have to say nothing. I had to write that down. I grabbed my pen and paper and I was like, because I have paper all over the place. Because I want to make sure I write down whatever God is telling me. Because sometimes I'm not able to get to my computer. All of this is allowed to happen because of your 10th and other discretionary funds. Yeah. Your funds. Samuel said he would take a, he would take a 10th of, your oil, your vintage, a tenth of your sheep, All of these things produce wealth. You are producing wealth. But you've transferred that wealth under 501c3 to people that you have placed yourself up under. And they are allowed to have that wealth while you continue to be without wealth. People are perishing for lack of knowledge. Now, by the time you wake up and you see that you've been emotionally, you've been on an emotional merry-go-round and you see that the only people getting rich are the kings you've chosen. You already knee deep in debt and cannot turn to the church. Oh, you can't turn to the church. You can't. I got a big example and I'm going to hit it. I have a big one. Some church leaders depend on you being and staying emotional so they can continue to operate outside of their prescribed Christian and humanitarian duties. Because the Bible tells you clearly leaders to feed the sheep. Clearly to take care of the people. The 501c3 from the IRS tells you you're supposed to take care of the, the, what I said, let me scroll back up. The poor, the distressed, and the underprivileged, right? Because these are the people that are funding most churches. That, are, that funds operate. Yeah, you have some millionaires and people who give to the church as a tax write-off. You do. But for the most part, the continual funds of the church come from people who don't even have access to the people they're giving the money to don't even have access and so by the time you realize and you suspect something is off what you're gonna do you already need deep in debt and if you wanted to and I'm gonna get back to my example and if you wanted to have them audited it takes years I'm gonna read you something else that came out of the IRS book for the 501c3 Say the IRS may begin a church audit if an appropriate high level treasury official reasonably believes based on a written statement of facts and circumstances that the church has committed an exemption infraction, which means they've used nonprofit funds as a personal gain and profiteers like they're profiting from the funds that is supposed to be used So there's all these other things that may require to them to open an investigation. But one that pertains to you is reliable information reports from concerned members of the church or general public and records concerning the church in possession of the third parties or informants. The information must be lawfully obtained. So unless you have documented proof. That these people have done wrong by the funds that you've given, the funds, you know, funds that people are given. Baby, they're not going to even. And then a high level official. They have to reasonably believe. Based on a written statement of facts and circumstances that the church has committed something, a high level official. So you just can't call into the IRS and drop a dime. You got to have written proof and it has to be lawfully obtained. You are slaves when you don't know what your masters are doing. Because how many people think that them people just going to readily open their books to you? If they are committing these things. Because the process, once the review has opened, could take years before the IRS even get to see the books. Because once you make a reasonably <laughs> written statement with facts and search, once you present it to the IRS, the RS then gotta go and say, hey, we have a we open an inquiry to this, this, and that. They, the church have to answer that and say, well, here are our statements that we can say. So they can send in paperwork and say this is a lie. And the case be closed right off the bat. If they don't answer, it's another process and it could take years. So the fraud, the theft, the financial theft can go on for years before the IRS even move in to look at the books. Because you could be a disgruntled uh, employee. You could be a member that is upset that you got kicked out the church. And remember, the church building is for public Christian worship. But they've banned you and kicked you out because you are a problem child. You are somebody that always wanted, you know, so they kick you out. Because in their bylaws, they can do this, especially if it's written in their ordinances, especially if it's written down. This is what they can do. Oh, don't think about suing them. Oh, no, that's that's a whole nother can of worms. You don't even think about suing them. Because most of the time it's not going to go in your favor because you don't have all the knowledge, you don't have all the things. And there were several cases that I seen where people were sued where they got kicked out of a church and they felt like they was kicked out, you know, unceremoniously and e- e- illegally. Like you can't kick me out of a church, but here's what I want to ask you. If somebody kicked you out, their church, why would you want to go back? Like, what is the purpose of you suing them? You suing them, try to get money back. What is what is the purpose of you suing in? Because if I'm asking legitimate questions and I just want to make sure I know what you're doing, because the church is being ran like a business, and I want to know because a business can be audited straight off. But for some reason, the government has given churches all of this leeway. Because why? Being a pastor, being a leader. Being a king over parishioners or congregants or, you know, whatever you calling yourself, whatever y'all call yourself in the church, in the building, the government has given them so much leeway to commit fraud because it once was a trusted institution, but now it's not. And so laws need to be changed to be just a little bit more stricter, but it's not. It's not. So this leads to the churches taking more than what they need from you and not and not lessening the burden of government. In fact, it's the other way around. They are creating a burden for you to depend on the government. I'm headed back to my example. <laughs> headed back to my example. During the pandemic, how many churches and if I'm telling you, I want an answer. I want to know testimonies called their members who regularly paid their tithes and offering to offer financial relief i know you can't see me but i sat back and folded my arms when the lord hit me with this i was like what what you mean he said how many churches called their members who regularly paid their tithes and offering to offer them financial relief If the churches are supposed to lessen the burden of government and provide relief for the distress, for the poor, for the displaced, how many churches offered financial relief during the pandemic? I'm not talking about you calling them and asking for prayer in your finances and they responded. I'm not talking about you going out of your way to let them know you need and they responded. I'm talking about the church went through his books during the pandemic and called you up and said, we see you have been faithful. We know that you're faithful and times are hard right now. Come pick up your famine relief funds. We got some famine relief funds because let's just be real about it. If your leader is tapped into the spirit of God and they did not know that the pandemic was going to hit once they got into the pet, once we got into the pandemic, they should have been seeking God on how to lead you during a pandemic. What can they do? I'm going to bust y'all bubble right now. Feeding people is not the only way to lessen the burden. Because let's be real. Most of that food probably came from you. You donated to the your church local pantry. You've donated this. And some of these churches was getting food from local pantries, them doggone selves turn around repurpose that stuff and feed you eating during the pandemic was not a problem i'm going to repeat getting meals during the pandemic was not a problem schools was giving out meals any government entity that was able to provide meals provided meals Provided meals. You might not like what they provided, but they provided meals. I've seen a story where council people in certain towns got together and found funds from wherever. Got it from the government or whatever. Used those funds to pay restaurants to go feed elderly people who was fearful of leaving the houses of getting the coronavirus. Food wasn't an issue. Food, feeding people was not the issue. It was not the issue. People couldn't pay bills. That was a huge issue. People couldn't pay their rent because they couldn't work. The country was on shutdown. But for some reason and somehow, people found money to continue to give to their local churches. Who told y'all, did anybody tell y'all to stop sending funds? Don't send them old ties in office. You, you you hold off on that. No. Uh-uh. Because once we couldn't do in-person church, a lot of people who was already online flipped to, you know, strictly online church. And you, you, people still went. People still gave. Because they was online church. Then there were churches who wasn't online. And they were able to, they had means to go on Facebook Live and do their things. They still had church. You still gave your funds. Then there were churches that gave your funds to other churches to keep them financially afloat. That's not lessening the burden for the people. It's not. It was a good deed. Oh, yeah, you did that for God. You ain't do it with God. Because to be honest, some of them churches just need their doors just need to be closed. And some churches that doors closed needed to be closed because God God wanted it that way. Let's just be real. There's nothing sillier than to see 10 churches at a five-mile radius of each other. Somebody lying. And making pimp moves. You mean to tell me this many churches need to be condensed in this one little area? How many people in that area can support all those churches? How many? And then if you absorb all those people into one big church, we need a bigger building. Like... Just we need stadiums and we need you know arenas and stuff. Some of these churches need to close because they barely making money anyway. And I'm saying because it's being ran like a business, they're barely making money anyway. But some of these churches are still open because they're doing what God told them to do. Here's what got me, and I got this from a pastor. During the pandemic, a lot of churches were sending people to the government for assistance. And if the government has already set up these assistance for people to have, where is the church in that? Because, yes, it was so many release funds. There was so many things out there. PPP loans. All of these things was out there. People coming up with, you know, businesses to get the PPP loans and all that good stuff. And then you, you tithing off that, you still sent your tithes, whatever little financial thing that you got, because it was so indoctrinated into you that you have to give a 10th of that tithe to the church. You still did it. I'm going to back up a little bit, but even before the pandemic, this church is giving your local dollars internationally. They went and dug a well. They went and did all these things in these other countries. Humanitarian, I'm I'm not against it. I'm not against it. But however, when the pandemic happened, how many of those local dollars went back locally to the people who gave? How many people received a check from their church with them not even having to ask? How many people received a call from their church and said, the times are hard. We gonna hold off on receiving donations. Take care of your family. Take care of your family. Because I understand times are hard. Matter of fact, we got a surplus of funds. We're gonna divvy it up. Try to help as many people as we can help. Try to hit as many people as we can hit. I, I, I wanna know. I don't wanna know what they did, how they fed y'all, and open up, you know, free meals on Tuesdays and lessen the burden that way because eating was not a problem. So many organizations were feeding people. So many organizations found money to have restaurants go feed people. Eating was not a problem. Paying bills was. Kings increase wealth for themselves, not for the people. Solomon said he going to take a tenth. Take He going to take all your good stuff, the best of you. And taxation is the quickest way. High taxation. I said it earlier. It's the quickest way to transfer the wealth that is being produced by you to the king. You are producing the wealth for them. For them. In the political arena, they have what they call earmarks. And earmarks are funds designated for a particular purpose. These earmarks get taxed onto a law or bill. And that's why a lot of laws doesn't get passed. And on the face of the law, you only see the face of it. You only see the high points of this law. This law be good for this, 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 and that. So why aren't people voting in Congress and in the Senate for this particular law? Because earmarks are on those laws. That's what you don't see. And these earmarks are designed, funds that are designed for particular purpose and uses. There are special interest funds for the senator or the people who won't vote for that law unless I get something out of it for my state, supposedly. So I earmark $6 billion for my state or my county or whatever whoever I'm representing so they can build roads, but I only take a good million of that $6 million. To to make you think I'm building roads, and I will appear, yeah, I'm gonna build a road i'm gonna rep, I'm gonna repair some roads and but the rest of that six million I'm gonna use it for my discretion. yeah, your kings and the churches are doing the same thing on the face on the face value of a building fund, we need to raise money. And I, don't, I can't remember the, the comedian who said church been raising <laughs> had a building fund maybe I don't know I can't remember had a building fund but they ain't changed a doorknob in years. Personally, I've seen this, I seen it where every year they had a building fund every year, and you try to twist the the front doorknob of the church, and I'm telling you it's the real deal, and it would just be so hard to twist. And so when it when somebody kept saying look we need to change that doorknob, the elder got upset. The elder got upset that he had to use funds to change the doorknob. Why? Because when they went to, because if they had a went to tap that the funds were supposed to be in, people would have found out that there was no money in there. He got upset. Why would you get upset? Because you got to change the doorknob. I mean, he got highly upset. Then it was one particular instance where the youth department made money. My maid, you know, went out and watched cars and did all these things to go on a trip. Or, no, no, no. That was a separate incident. They did their part into raising money to replace the AC. But then they had to go away and go somewhere like a youth band trip or something. They went away. And the other said, y'all go away. When you come back, you're going to have a new AC. And it was a lie. What he did was. He opened up a credit card in the church name and he put, he had the church, he had the AC repaired. He didn't have it replaced on the church credit card, but he used the funds for himself. They do that. And when there's no checks and balances and and when people are put in place, like I told you the last episode, to help me facilitate my sin and your sin, we can open up credit cards in the church name and be swiping left and right. Why? Because your funds, because I don't took your ties and offering that report that you give and this sitting in his bank account. I don't take it to the bank and I don't funded my special interest process progress or uh, projects. I'm sorry. I don't fund My special interest stuff. So you don't know all of this going on. I don't earmark these funds for personal my personal particular use. When it got credit cards in the church name and not even using it. For the church using it for myself oh yeah that goes on because it's ran like a business and you who are not business minded it's getting robbed because there's an old proverb that says you can steal more money with a ballpoint than that gunpoint you can steal more money with a pen than with a gun According to the Bible, the church objective is besides the government outlining it in the IRS code of a 501c3 that churches are to provide relief for the poor, the distressed, or the underprivileged, as well as lessen the burden of the government. The Bible indicates that the leaders are to store away for the people. The people. Genesis 41. In it, there's a story about Joseph. Joseph. Joseph was in, thrown in jail by one Pharaoh. Then another Pharaoh came into power and that Pharaoh had a dream and nobody could interpret a dream. And he was in prison with a baker and somebody else. And he had interpret the baker's dream and the other person's dream. And they both came true. The baker was restored to his position. And the other guy died based on what Joseph had said. And so when he was, com- when the Pharaoh was complaining about people not being able to um, interpret a dream, the baker remembered Because Joseph, he asked Joseph, what can he do for him? And Joseph said, just remember me when you get back, when you get restored back. And he remembered Joseph and he went and told the Pharaoh, Hey, there was a guy that I was in prison with. And, um, I had a dream. The other guy had a dream and he interpreted both dreams and both of them came true. I got restored. The other guy died based on his dream. And Pharaoh said, go, go get this man. So he go get Joseph and Joseph come in and Pharaoh tells his dream to Joseph. So Joseph said that God was sending a warning to Pharaoh that the land was going to be plentiful for seven years. Then a famine will come for the next seven years and it would eat up the land till it perished. So Joseph advised the Pharaoh to store up the produce from the plentiful years so that they have the stuff they need. For the years of the famine. And so they had stored up all in this reserve. So when the famine came. The people didn't perish. The people was able to come. And get. The grain. The people were able to come back to the church. And get what they needed. And if I need money. And you give me food. That's not taking care of me. Because it costs nothing to feed people. Let me repeat. It costs nothing to feed someone. You can go in your cabinet and make a meal to feed somebody. But if I need money and you give me food. The Bible said that's a no-no. When you have to give and somebody asks you. And you don't give it to them. That's a no-no. And when someone said they need a coat. And you give them a little light sweater. To roll off the cold, You ain't helping that person. They needed a coat. Not a light sweater. That's a no-no. You should be able to go to your church. From which you have put funds in their quiver. You have stored your funds in their bank. You should be able to go back to your church, but because you don't know this and you are not knowledgeable in what they're doing with the funds, they're not. You don't. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. That's not. That's not acceptable in God's eyes. And then let's talk about the smaller churches. I don't. I don't know if they do this in the bigger churches. I could just. Tell you what I've experienced in some small, medium and medium, small churches. People go and they need their light bill, um, paid. And the church tell you, we're going to give you this money, but you got to pay it back. Um, I was taught by an IRS personnel when I was working on a finance committee. Cause God had me go through all this. I told you I I probably did every position in the church that, um, When we were trained by the IRS personnel, they said that that's illegal. That's what she told us. That was illegal. You cannot ask a person to pay back money that they've given to the organization. You were supposed to just give it to them. If they are a member and they are on your books as giving tithes and offering, you are not to tell them they have to pay that money back. And another thing, members, again, small, medium, medium, small churches. They don't give offerings. Whatever goes in that collection plate, you can't ask for change back. That's illegal. That's what we were told. Once that money hit that plate, there's no going back in that plate and giving change. There's no making change. This is not a store. This is not where you make change. So whatever you want to give and you intend to give, you better have the exact change. It's not a place where you give back change. And I've, you know, mothers be like, they got a whole $20 bill, but they only want to get five. And they ask, give me 15 back out the plate. That's once that 20 hit that plate, that 20 supposed to stay in that plate. It's a lot of nuances that we didn't know until that training. And we were all like, wow. And so then our church had to revamp things and we had to put on the tithing envelopes. Even though you, because they have those boxes, is this for your ties, your all friend pastors, love gift, or whatever you put as you checked on that box. In small print, we had to put that that fine print that I was talking about in one of the episodes, and one of the lessons, you have to read it. So we had to put in fine print that even though you check this particular box, the church get to use these funds at their discretion. The church uses the funds at their discretions. Yeah. Or they place the funds at the discretion. It was something like that, but it was at the church's discretion. Yeah, you're supposed to be able to go back to your church and your church help you. Not your church send you to government officials and to the government because they're supposed to lessen the burden according to the 501c3. Another church objective is that local dollars should take care of the local needs. And again, feeding people is not the only need. People need babysitters. People need uh, places to 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 be and i say and i mention places because again i am a teacher so i i recognize that during the pandemic a lot of people didn't have wi-fi access and for their kids to have um, a place to learn a quiet safe place for them to learn why these churches didn't open up they churches got wi-fi why they didn't turn some of these rooms into classrooms and help these people who kids who needed wi-fi parents needed a break Parents needed a break. I'm not saying like you needed to, you know, have a night out. No, just simply just, I need someone to help my child. I don't understand his lesson. I don't know how he do this. So can we have someone help you? Because trust me, a lot of these churches have teachers like myself or people who love kids so much that they, they, they knowledgeable in these things and they can help you. Yeah. Abuse can happen, but a, a lot of people committed suicide. Because they had to now deal with a lot of things that they was otherwise distracted by going to work or being outside the house. So people needed safe places to be. Why the churches ain't offered those safe spaces? I know we had to socially distance, but come on now. Come on now. We could have provided these places. We could have provided these spaces within the church so that people can have an outlet. Local dollars should have taken care of local needs local needs are not supposed to be sent overseas and not supposed to be sent other places i'm not saying that a portion of the dollars can't but if that's the majority of your ministry then say that say say that let the people give me the option or rather i want to support whatever but as i'm locally giving my funds to this church I should be able to come in my time of need. And yes, people will abuse the system. That's when you pray and you have God give you a way to do it. Kings, you pray and you ask God how to do this, but you're not going to catch every fraudster that come in and cry broke. You're not going to catch them. In those instances and in those you know situations, you just have to give it to God. Give it to God because you're asking people to trust you with the money that you're that their hard-earned wealth that they're giving away and placing up under you. You asking them to do that. Won't you ask God to trust that it'll hit the people that it needs to hit? Just like I know a lot of people will have an objection about what I'm doing and how I'm teaching and And they will say this is false teaching and all of that. I can't help that. But I pray before every episode that God, this reaches the people that needs to be reached for the edification and the glorification of you. Because the people are perishing for lack of knowledge. You are blindly following the the dictates of your pimp that making pimp moves on you. Because you've opened yourself up. You've opened yourself up to be used because you've closed your mind off from being educated and being knowledgeable. One of the guys said, again, I'd love to watch American greed. He said, I don't claim to be a victim of the scammer because to be honest, he was greedy and I was greedy. He said, we all have to take an account that had we not been so greedy for more money, we would have saw that it was a scam in the first place. So I lost money because I was greedy, just like that scammer. I wanted to reap a 25% uh, profit of, off my money. When I know good and well, that's, you know, again, a sane, rational person would be like, no, nah, I'm good because I've been fed, fed my drug of choice because that was his drug of choice or her drug of choice. We all got scammed. And we need to take accountability. Come on now. Take accountability. The other church objective is. The church should not take more than what they need to function. They shouldn't. The Bible says. When the apostles. When people started selling all their possessions. And laying it at the apostles feet. People took what they needed. They took what they needed. Not what they wanted. Not taking more back in even when they was doing the 40 years around that same mountain and God was feeding them manna. He said, take what you need. Take what your family needs. We, we don't need an over excess of things. And that's why profiteers has been continuing to Profit. I promise you, if everybody stops giving, things will change. If everybody band together and demand for change, change will happen. But if only one or two of us is saying stuff, nobody will do anything. We'll be considered the extremists. We'll be considered the radicals. We'll be considered the people, what do they call them, um... Uh, conspiracy theorist people oh y'all child that's a conspiracy I'm telling you you'll get labeled but if everybody demand change from the king the kingdom it'll shift but as long as we continue to be in a position to be pimped we're going to be pimped we're going to be pimped find out Don't blindly sit back and allow the profiteers to continue to profit and slick talk you and fast talk you into thinking this is what God wanted. Again, that is psychological and emotional death. They're still in your peace of mind. They're still in your confidence away from God. And they want you to place it in them. And if you place it in them because they your king, because you have chosen them to be your king, because they do this magical thing, this slot of hands, these smoke and mirrors, and they do all of this. And you believe them. You believe them. And I know this has gone on long. But this is important. You got to know. You have to know. Yeah, you have faith, but baby, put some knowledge behind it. Put some knowledge behind it. And know that your church is supposed to work for you, not you work for it. He that has an ear, let him hear. We want to thank you again for tuning into the Teaching Prophet Podcast, where our goal is to add to your faith. Knowledge. Knowledge that will help you experience the fullness of God so that you can walk in complete understanding of what He has for you. Please feel free to subscribe, share, like, and or leave a comment about today's lesson. Also, you can support the teachings monetarily through our Cash App at Tangela LLC, our Zelle, which is our email address, LLC at gmail.com, or click the support link or button on whichever platform from which you're listening. Until next time, God bless.